Good morning. This church is blessed to have men of great faith, such as Pastor Horst, who you just heard in this clip. Horst was instrumental in starting this church and spoke at our 10th anniversary celebration we had two years ago. Ecomont was founded on the stirring of the Holy Spirit for people in this community without there ever being a building yet. Men of great faith and women of great faith who God used. Today we celebrate God's goodness and faithfulness and look ahead to the future of our church. I'm so excited to share a message with you that God's placed on my heart. I don't know about you, but I rarely drive with people in my car because there are two types of behaviors that drive me crazy. And my husband can, can attest to this, unfortunately. Don't worry, when I drive your kids, I'm, I'm very cautious. Uh, but <laughs> there are the people who drive under the speed limit. And then there are those who walk across the street slowly. And when you got places to go and you got things to do, I'm sure many of us in this room, unless maybe the Lord just gives you that, you, you just have patience written all over you, that you're like, you know what, you just take your sweet time. It's fine. It's totally fine. Last week I met the slowest pedestrian I ever met. Yeah, and it happened to be downtown, which is never ideal. And her head was completely absorbed, of course, in her phone. Which I'm thinking, okay, honey, this is not the best time to check your Instagram, okay? People got things to do. Obviously, she was oblivious to the speed at which she was going. Or maybe she didn't care. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't put down my window. I was like, hey, how's it going? But... She was crossing the street. Not only was she decided to cross the street, but then because she was so oblivious to what was going on, she started crossing diagonally. Like it wasn't like straight across, left to right. It was like all of a sudden like zzz. And the only problem with that was is there were cars that were trying to turn. And you could hear cars like putting on their brakes like really fast. But she was like so entranced at her phone that she could care less of what was going on. She wasn't phased. She just kept walking. And you can sit here laughing, being like, oh, that is just so silly. Like, she's just so absent-minded, so unaware of everything that's going on. But it made me, as I was preparing this, made me think that there are definitely times where I have my head down and I am not looking up at anything that's going on around me. We can walk through life equally unaware of people. I believe that God puts people in our path to minister to, but we miss it because we have our head down, consumed with what is happening in our own lives. When we walk through life with our head down, we will miss 
eternal opportunities. For me, as that was resonating with me, I was pondering that. I was like, Lord, help me never to miss those opportunities. Help me always be attuned to your still small voice leading and directing me. Christ challenges us, as noted in Matthew 28, 19, that our mission here on earth is to make disciples of all nations, nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is the responsibility of every Christ follower to walk with their head up, always prepared to talk about that we, the hope that we have in Christ. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in our hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. The building expansion, I believe, is a declaration that we as the body of Eaglemont Church, from the youngest to the oldest are going to live with our heads up, ready to be used to God to make an eternal impact in this town and our surrounding areas. And that we are in the business of not only expanding our spiritual muscles to believe God that he can pack not only our current building, but the addition, because we will not miss an opportunity to be bold for Christ which leads me to my second point. The kingdom of God requires boldness. Not the in your face. Like the verse says prior, gentleness and respect. Boldness is another word for confidence. The Bible says that our confidence is in him. Hebrews 13 says, 13, 6 says, So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? For years I've struggled with having that kind of confidence, always worried what others would think of me. And I missed so many opportunities in life because I did not hold tightly to the promise of God that he was my confidence, helping me to speak boldly. How easy it is for us to miss these opportunities. It's one thing to keep our head up and walking through, through life, choosing to be aware to be unaware of God's calling in our life. But it's another thing to live wanting and waiting for God's prompting to be salt and light and, and totally dismiss the speaking, the, the, the prompting of the Spirit because we're afraid. Since when in life has God ever left my side? Since when do I believe that God wouldn't give me the words to say, the, the actions, how to present myself with anybody who I come into contact? It is not God. It, oh, is, is it not God that Paul says in Romans 1st first, uh, first, first verse, verse 16, that says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God, not me. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and then to the Gentile. I can't help but think, as I was preparing for this, of the first time I came to the community of Beaumont. Like, I'm like small town girl. I'm, I came from Redwater. Then I lived on the north side of Edmonton to go to school. Like, I'm sorry, but I didn't even know Beaumont existed. I had to Google map it. 
when I uh, was applying for the job. I was hired in 2009 as the children family pastor. And I remember asking God, which now I look back on it, I was like, wow, that was like really gutsy. Ask God to not only show me what to do, um, but ask him to stretch me. That is a very scary question to ask God. Um, I felt the Lord directing me to a particular school, Bellevue School, and I felt the Lord just say, yeah, just go walk in the doors, make an appointment with the principal, and tell him that you're there to serve him. Sometimes God asks to do the weirdest things. But I think that's the excitement of following him because you never know what he's going to ask you to do today, tomorrow. You have no idea. And so I'm just so thankful in that moment that I was obedient. That would have been the perfect time for me to keep my head down and just keep walking. When we choose to live with our head up, ready for God to use us, we receive his boldness to do whatever he asks us to do for the sake of eternity. All we need to do is say, God, I'm available. Put me in an uncomfortable situation. Yes, it's often uncomfortable. I cringe at the word every time. Where I am spiritually stretched to the point of total dependence on you. Help me not to live with my head down. That I miss your still small voice directing me to step out in boldness and help me to act on it. God, I just pray for every person in this room. Lord, I just pray that there would be a stirring in our heart that even as we leave this building today, that we are going to live with our head up, being totally aware of the people around us, Lord, that you are drawing to us to, to minister to, to share our faith with. Thank you for impressing on our hearts your plan to bring everyone to yourself Thank you that you invite us to embark on this crazy journey of expanding our faith to see the impossible come to pass in the lives of people and the new addition through our trust and obedience in you. Amen. You have already heard the word milestone. Today is a milestone for us as a church. But let's first think about what's the definition of milestone. Webster says, Three different things. It's the stone by the side of the road that shows the distance in miles to a specified place. Or an action or event that marks a significant change or stage in development. It's also, third, a very important event or stage in life. And for sure today is like that rock on the side of the road, a milestone that is telling us as a church how far we have come and possibly a little bit of how far we have to go. But it's also an opportunity for us to stop at that milestone and take a look. Just like we're in a road trip together, it's probably more like a caravan because I don't think we all fit in one van. Uh, but we might stop on the side of the road, get out of the car, stretch our legs, breathe the fresh air, take in the vista that we get to see around us. Because when we're in the car, or maybe the caravan, we might have an obstructed view from the back seat. We might have the narrow view out the passenger side window. But when we get out of the vehicle, we can actually see the whole of what God has painted in front of us. And that's a little bit about like what we're doing today. 
is getting a chance to see all of what's been going on in what God has been doing, even long before we got to this milestone. So we're going to do that. We're going to stand and stretch our legs. So just bear with me for a minute while we do it. In 2004, if you were born or you celebrated a marriage or maybe you became a grandparent, can you stand? If you were in 2004, some major thing like that, you were born. Oh, I can see you. You're like trying to get her to stand. If you were born, very good. Look at these beautiful milestones that happened in 2004. In that same year, Pastor Horst, who you heard talk, stay standing if you can. Uh, Pastor Horst went and pitched a proposal to the PAOC Alberta to be able to plant this very church. They also opened an account because someone along the way believed in that vision, opened an account and said, hey, let's potentially start saving towards that. And another big milestone happened in 2004, the same year that maybe you were born or that you got married, or you became a grandparent. Somebody said, this shall be the location. And a generous donation was made of this land. Big milestone for an ECC that didn't exist yet. In 2005, how many of you celebrated a milestone? Stay standing. You can do it. We're stretching our legs. We're breathing the fresh air from a different view than seated. In 2005, maybe you got married too. Maybe you moved to Beaumont. How many of you moved to Beaumont in 2005? Oh, see, good, more standing. Maybe you bought a house. Maybe you sold a house. Maybe you started a business. 2005, if you had a major milestone, please stand. In 2005, what was happening at ECC? Construction was beginning. We did not have a building here yet, yet each of our lives was already intertwined. In 2006, now, here we know, many babies were starting to be born. 2006, many, many of you were born. 2007, how many of you were born? How many of you graduated high school? How many of you graduated a post-secondary program or entered a post-secondary program? How many of you changed jobs? How many of you had your first child or your second child? How many of you became empty nesters? Not yet, Marlo. Not yet. How many of you met your spouse or future spouse in 2007? These were the years of the beginnings of ECC. How many of you started attending in 2006 or 2007? You can stand. It was the start of what would become many, many milestones. 2008, all the way through, let's speed it up, to 2013. During these years, ECC was paying off their mortgage. In six and a half years, it was done. Hallelujah. We paid off our mortgage. How many of you joined ECC somewhere between 2007 and 2013? You can stand. How many of you moved to Beaumont after 2013? You can stand. How many of you just started attending in 2015? You can stand. In 2016, we started saving, not for a building, 
ECC. We started saving for milestones like these that we would celebrate alongside of each other. Maybe you got baptized in 2016. You can stand. Maybe you met Jesus in 2017. You can stand. Long before we were here, long before we were singing our worship songs, long before we were tithing, long before we were starting to think about someone else's milestone, somebody did that for us. Many people with some churches who had great vision, people who weren't associated with those churches, invested in our milestones that we would live and do together, that we would share together, that we would build community around together, that we would pray for together. Many of us didn't know those people, and many of us won't know the ones who will get to experience their milestones inside this church. You may have a seat. Almost the whole of our church is standing based on milestone intersections that we experienced at God's hand. It is God's work that brought us here. It is God's glory that we can actually celebrate those things. It's God's glory that we celebrated, and it's God's glory that we might have suffered through some milestones. Tragedies were experienced in those years. Losses were experienced. Health scares were experienced. Those are milestones too. God had his hand on those as well. So as we built this campaign, we built it with the thought that we would be living alongside of and building for others. And we had six objectives. We often think about raising the capital. That, that one's pretty obvious. But there were five others. And you'll see them come up on our screen. We could not see how things were going to go. We didn't have any kind of crystal ball, nor would we use that. Instead, we wanted to bake it all in prayer, that every decision we would make together as a church would be bathed in prayer. The next would be that we would build community and that that community, like what we experienced just now when we were all standing together, would be fostered, that it would be grown, that we would go through this journey together and become more unified that we would add to our community, that we would have these life milestones together and it would enrich our lives in Christ. These six milestones that we pursued were about being able to think about life with Christ, not just raising funds for this building. And as you can see these up on the screen, I think you can see them because I can't see it on the monitor. Not yet. Okay, good. As you can see them, think about them as also the ways in which we live life, that we would have a personal journey in Christ, that we would become stronger in our understanding of why giving is such an important part of being a Christian and the way in which it riches our lives. It was never for this team about building a building. It was about making it possible to have milestones with Christ the way we have all been gotten to be the benefactor. What the heck word am I trying to say? The beneficiary. Thank you. The beneficiaries of others who have invested in us. It's our turn. We get to reciprocate that investment into those who will come behind us and continue to enrich the lives of each other beside each other as we do it. Our kids 
we can't imagine it yet, but might be able to walk down a center aisle of an actual auditorium instead of a gym when they have their milestone and they get married under the beautiful view of their community and Christ. Or they might dedicate their baby. I know that's hard to imagine as you hold your baby. But they might dedicate their baby in this church. And all of those who have not yet made it here will do the same. Thank you. We should be more like trees than we are caribou. You get it? Good? Good? Let me explain that. I was, yeah, please do. So, what I, I was tasked with quickly chatting this morning with you about building community. And I think that that's pretty easy to come across as important in church. But let's talk about why. So where do caribou come in with this? Well, one of our favorite things to do in the youth department, if you've never been here before, my name's Jeff, first of all, and I'm the youth pastor here. Um, and in our youth department with our leaders, one of our favorite things to do is go on YouTube and watch lions attack other animals. Now, before you pull your kids out of youth, it's a very normal thing. It's very, very entertaining and crazy. Now, the one thing that I've noticed in that is that when the weakest caribou, which is generally what gets picked off, um, no, caribou, sorry, or antelope, whatever, when a predator or a bear is attacking an ungulate of caribou or antelope, whatever it is, you take your pick, it's the weaker one that's getting picked off. They find the slower one, the ones that's sick or that's limping along and that's injured, and they get picked off. And when the attack happens, you generally don't see a lot of bravery from the other bigger caribou or whatever. Usually they take off and it's every man for themselves, and the weaker one is generally going to get eaten, and it doesn't end well. So where do trees come into this? Glad you asked. I was recently shown by my father-in-law um, a clip from a documentary where they found these trees in, in uh, the Amazon rainforest, and they've been studying them. And, you know, trees, we, we think about plants, and uh, they're just kind of there, right? But when you study them more and more, there's so much more to, to how they were designed and how they work and, and even how they communicate with each other, which sounds weird to me as someone who doesn't really care about plants, but they, they actually do. And here's what they showed, is that the root systems of these trees... These are massive, massive trees. They actually don't just go down and take their own nutrients out of the soil. These communities of trees that actually had their roots go deep down and kind of interweave and fuse together. So when one tree would be in a spot that would not get enough water or it was struggling or it was starting to become to a point where it was going to be sick or start to die, the other trees would actually send nutrients through their root system to the other trees as well which is way beyond my comprehension of what I learned in grade two about how plants work. It was chloroplast or chlorophyll, and that was it. Magic school bus never, ever went into that, right? That's crazy. That's awesome. It's, first of all, awesome that God created plants with this communication system that they can do that and that they can help each other. But when I heard that, I thought right away, I said, I'm going to use that in a sermon. What an awesome example of what the church should be like. What an awesome community uh, example. What an awesome example of community and what we need to build here at, at Eaglemont Church and as, as church in North America and around the world in general is that 
when there's somebody who's in a position of weakness, whether that's spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, take your pick, whatever's happening in their lives, is that the point of having community in the church is that we can come together and help. You know, it's awesome to have community in the sense of like, hey, I'm going to go watch the Royal Rumble later today, which is going to be awesome, or the Super Bowl with my friends, and friendship is great, but community is so much more than friendship. It's a family who steps in and can help when there's times of need, when there's significant struggle. That's the power of community. That's the strength of church. And that's what you walked into, into this place this morning when you decided, I'm going to come to Eaglemont Church. It's not just Eaglemont Church. It's the Eaglemont Church family, community. And in a world where community seems to be broken down all the time, where we don't see the depth of community that that probably needs to be there, when people are desperately seeking real relationship in a social media world, what can be greater than to reach that, that culture and fill that need than a church? They just don't know it yet. And that's why building community is so important. That's why I recently read an article. I'm not a big fan of, of the movement itself necessarily, but CrossFit is, uh, is a fitness class. Um, you can Google it. I, won't, I don't have time to share exactly what it is. But it's basically become a huge movement of people trying to work out with these large groups. And the article is saying that it's the new church. It's that CrossFit is the new church because it's a group of people working towards a goal together and supporting each other and encouraging each other towards reaching that goal. And people are going towards these classes as were in the past, they might have gone towards church. This was like a regular, this wasn't a church article. This was just a regular thing. When I saw CrossFit is the new church as a pastor who doesn't really like it all that much, CrossFit, I was a little upset. We can't let a fitness class be more valuable in community than what we are as a church. And that's why we need to build community here. That's why through everything we do, we build community. And we hope that through this expansion and through as we continue this expansion that we'll continue to find ways to build community. Because here's the thing, this building is going to get built. We don't have a date yet, but the shovel will be in the ground one day and they will be built and we'll be in there on a Sunday eventually. But if we haven't built community and if the community at Eaglemont Church isn't strong enough, we have nothing to fill that building with. That's why the next X amount of years before this building is built or whatever it ends up being, maybe it's sooner than that, maybe it's longer, it doesn't matter because if we don't build community, if we don't have a church, if we don't reach people now, there's nothing to fill it with. It's a huge part of the future, but today starts now. We reach our community today. And that's one element of what God's going to do in our community. And that's not to, to sell it as anything less than it is. This is a significant step for this church. But this church needs to reach people today. This church needs us to build community today. So we're thriving, reaching our community when we put that shovel in the ground and when we eventually have that launch Sunday in our new facility. This morning at the lead of uh, the FECC team, uh, the different pastors are just briefly sharing on different elements that were part of the FECC campaign. Um, and uh, my name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here as well. And, and I'm going to spend just a couple minutes talking this morning about prayer. As we see the road signs that are around the building today, I, I want to look at two of them when it comes to kind of finding our instruction in prayer. As we know as Christ followers, everything we do should be soaked in prayer. Uh, this vision for a building that would be expanded. This very facility we're in now came through 
people who are faithful in prayer and seeking God. And uh, when I came on staff here in 2013, my very first meeting at Pastors Council was the meeting that was decided to move forward with a plan for an expansion to the building. And that had only come after years of prayerful time and consideration by the council. So the two road signs I want us to think about when it comes to prayer are this. First of all, stop. Stop. There are times in our lives when God calls us to stop and pray. These are often fork in the road points where important life decisions are meant to be taking place. In the book of 2 Chronicles in your Bible, in chapter 20, we read in verse 1 to 4, we see this story of Jehoshaphat, the king of of the land, and he's waiting as these vast armies come upon the, uh, the tribe of Judah. And, and against them. And they have three vast armies that are larger than his own that come against his kingdom. Now, if you were found in that situation, the three largest armies that are around you, the three largest, most powerful nations come and all attack you together at the same time, what would you do? I'm sure you would get together, try to devise a plan, start prepping the army, getting your armor ready. Grabbing all the valuables we have. Maybe you just go, we're losing this thing. Let's get everything and let's get out of Dodge. But that's not what he does. Jehoshaphat inquires of God and he begins to seek God out in prayer and gets all of Judah to join in a time of fasting and prayer. See, at this point, there was a recognition on his part that the battle was too big and they were not capable of winning. There was a humility to realize that they desperately needed God to show up. We go on to see how out of this act of humility and obedience, God leads the nation of Judah to war. And God wins the war on their behalf because he causes confusion amongst the three armies. And they end up wiping each other out so that by time Jehoshaphat and his army get there, the nations are defeated and they simply get to take the plunder of war back as God had given them the victory. It was the attitude of counsel years ago as they prayerfully came to the decision and belief that God was leading us towards the expansion of this facility, something that truthfully was too big on our own, something that was scary and intimidating. But we had to stop and pray and get God to show us what was the direction, what was he calling us to do. So in our lives, we need to stop and pray. The second thing we need to do is we need to yield. We need to remember to yield and pray. In prayer, when we stop and seek God's direction in our lives, it's not simply a one-time event where God says this and then communication suddenly cuts off and we no longer are in need of checking with him. But rather, when God says go in this direction, we begin to move in the direction he's spoken. But with that, we have a heart that is yielded towards God, an attitude and heart position of yielding in prayer for constant recalibration. 1 Thessalonians verse 5 and or, sorry chapter 5 16 to 18 says this rejoice always pray continually all the time giving thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus There is a big difference between a stop sign and a yield sign perhaps some of you have met traffic officers in town who have explained the difference When we're traveling we need to stop to read the map We find first, what is our location that we're trying to get to as you head out on a long journey? Mark that down and and make your trail towards it. But then as you go through, you continually check to make sure you're still on the path and moving forward. 
Throughout the the last three years, John and Flora have been hosting a, a prayer night once a month on Friday evenings, praying for this FEC camp, FECC campaign. And, and as we reach the end of this three-year journey, we're now, again, moving forward and, and throughout this journey, praying and recalibrating, God, what is your heart? What are you saying? Even for the plans of the building as they were, if we were to build a building in 1994, according to my specifications, we would have had a room designated towards playing pogs. I do not believe that's a good use of facility anymore. But as we move forward, God is going to maybe recalibrate the vision and dream as he does. But the the goal and the destination is the same. But we need to continually yield in prayer. God is the one who knows the end goal, and he is going to get us there. Both in this corporate journey that we're on together, in the vision for an expanded facility, but even more importantly, independently in our lives that we stop and pray for God's wisdom and advice and we constantly have an attitude that is yielded towards him. We see that with the Israelites in the wilderness as they wandered through, as they had the end destination, but it took so long to get there. For you and me, I pray that we constantly will stop when we need to stop and always continually be yielding to God. October 18th, 2015, we began a message series four Sundays entitled, It's All About Them, to launch our faith expansion campaign. Please listen. Go back and listen on the website and page back. It'll take a little little bit, but especially if you're new to the church family, I encourage you to do that. Several months ago, I sent out an, uh, an email, an FECC update, and Kelly Schultz, former uh, youth leader and former council leader here at ECC, now in Southeast Asia with his wife as global workers, he sent this email back, and with his permission, I share it with you this morning. He wrote, I truly believe that because of the commitment of Eaglemont Church to missions, to local outreach, to giving to the community, that more than enough funds will come in to make this God-given vision a reality in his timing, of course. I know it's not always a transactional guarantee, in other words, that you give in order to receive, but I know, he says, the genuine heart that Eaglemont gives from. And I love, he says, 2 Corinthians 9, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then he finished the email by saying, please know that we're praying for Eaglemont and for this venture uh, specifically. May God bless you and the council to continue to champion and not lose faith in this FECC journey. Encouraging words from someone that many of you know that I wanted you to hear this morning. For those who are not aware, it was uh, at a congregational meeting in September 2015, after, as has already been alluded to this morning, many, many months of prayerful and thoughtful discussion by council leadership, that the Eaglemont core team members gave a strong expression, 90% vote affirmative, to move forward with saving funds for a future expansion. No shovel in the ground date was set. We, we simply saw the wisdom in beginning to save for future ministry and outreach through new and expanded space on this property as we uh, anticipated growth in our town, city, and in this church body. Of course, that mandate still stands. We're not not pulling a U-turn. And again, emphasized already, and I love it, and we don't want to lose sight of our price. I repeat it. Our primary mission is seeing people come to know Jesus. That's, that's the core motivation for all we do. It's the primary reason that, that Pastor Horst cast the original vision in our district, and it's why this church was planted over 12 years ago. It's why we're saving for the future in the way that we are. 
Several years ago, I was on uh, a prayer day about our church's future, and I was drawn to the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. I would encourage you to read that short book in light of this faith expansion journey and discussion. I, I began that day with this written prayer, and I reflected on it in preparation for this morning. It still resonates. God, I really want to hear from you. As a church and leadership, we want to know your direction for our future. May none of us get in the way of your will with our own ideas or biases. May the Holy Spirit's direction be clear in our hearts and minds every step of the way. And my friends, I'm confident that we have, to this point, experienced that by God's grace. In Nehemiah, there was a project. There was a need. If you know the story, Nehemiah talks about uh, weeping over the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and the, the city gates were destroyed by fire. And, and he grieves because of the potential danger that this brings to his people. Well, many of us as Christ followers who love God and love people, we've grieved because we want people. We've, we've grieved over people that don't know Christ yet. And that's the great need before us. Nehemiah motivates the people to come together for a mission accomplishment. Well, as a church, by God's grace again, we've, we've also seen many examples of mission accomplishment in the lives of people over the years, in the children who've come to Mega Sports Camp, in the Beaumont students who know beyond a doubt that this church cares about them, in spiritual seekers who've been drawn to Christ through Alpha outreaches or responded at the end of a Sunday morning uh, gathering or in small groups as leaders uh, care for people and, and walk with them in community through Christians like you being witnesses for Christ in your daily lives. All of these things, mission, accomplishment. And in this faith expansion journey, mission, accomplishment, and again, it's been said, but I felt to say it, and it's in my notes, and I'm going to reiterate it because maybe you need to hear it again, is not primarily about getting an expanded facility, although, yes, obviously, that will be an outcome. But again, it's it's because why we're doing it. Why we're doing it. It's because we want people to come to Christ. And, and the future facility is just another tool by which that can happen in increasing ways. It's obvious and very exciting that that, that is something many of us, many of you, are willing to invest in. Nehemiah makes a neat comment about the good hand of God upon me, he says. I, I like that. And of course, we, we, we want that. And it was, it was God's hand upon Nehemiah's people that enabled them uh, to confidently put their hand to the task that God had for them. And you remember, if you know the story, that they faced all kinds of opposition, e even though they were doing what God wanted them to do. It's no guarantee that the, there won't be opposition or hurdles or, or roadblocks. And yet in the midst of that opposition, Nehemiah was confident. Nehemiah 4, it says, our God, he said, our God will fight for us. And God did. And I love the outcome, again, stated a couple chapters later in Nehemiah 6. It just simply says, the wall was finished. The wall was finished. The work God wanted done got done as they obeyed God's leading and put their hand to the task. The, the, the men working sign that's around here, people working. That's, that's a great reminder that there's, that there's work to do to finish the task that God has for us as a church. And yeah, it, it, it takes commitment. It'll, it takes sacrifice, and it will. And, and so many of you are, are all in for that. And God bless you, and, and, and He already has. I know that. 
Friends, something very significant is happening in this community of faith. It's exciting and it's, it's humbling all at once that, that God would use us and use what we offer him for his purposes now and in the, in the future. And the yield sign, again, just a great reminder of exactly what, what all of us must do every step of the way into the future. Yield to God and yield to the direction of the Holy Spirit. And, and that shows itself in numerous ways. But related to the faith expansion vision, we're praying and giving now. And again, this was alluded to this morning. I, I love the, the dovetailing of all of this because it's... It's so true. We're, we're, we're praying and we're giving now for spiritual work that will happen in the lives of others down the road. Now, yes, but also down the road for decades to come. And Heather created that picture so well. And what a privilege that is to invest now for future generations. How cool. I love this concluding statement in Nehemiah 12, 43, the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Love it. So it will be for us. As we continue to follow God's lead, not just in movement toward facility expansion, but in absolutely everything we do in His work as a church that His Holy Spirit will empower and enable us for. There's nothing I'd rather be doing. And, and doing it with you as a church family. As Kyle and uh, Harvey alluded to this February and March, two months of prayer reflection for each of us to do what our church leaderships ask. As church leaders, we've asked this from the very beginning three years ago. Just talk to God. Talk to God about how he wants you to engage. God, how do you want me to give in saving for the future. So Lord we submit. To your leadership in that. We submit to your leadership. Thank you God. We want to listen to your voice. Thank you Jesus. Jesus.